So here we are. We had started on 31st night. Turn. Be revived. Life of God. And learn to resist. Submit to God and resist the devil and he shall dance with you. Is that what is written? He shall flee. Stand steadfast in faith is what Apostle Peter would say, or rather the Spirit of God would say through Apostle Peter. So this morning, before we go to the Word, we will turn and look to the God of the Word. Father, this morning, we come to you. Once again, Lord, now for the hearing of the Word, we come to you. We said, faith comes from hearing. Touch both ears, our outward physical ears, and also, Lord, our inner ears, the spiritual ones, the ears of the inner man, that faith may arise. But each time we go with stronger faith in you, trust in you, that believe more and more in you, For faith is victory over everything. Even this morning, speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us. You speak. Let truly in your house be just one speaker. Christ Jesus. Spirit of God, I commit this time into thy hands and everyone, even the little ones, Lord. The word of God says, before the Antichrist comes, you are the restrainer. You are able to restrain even the little ones. That there will be a holy hush in the house of God. For even they will sense you are here. That you have visited us today. That you want to speak to us today. You want to impart something to us today. Speak to us, Lord, today. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We turn to Mark 9.23 as the starting. It's a starters, okay. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe. Who said this? Jesus said it. So do you believe what he said? First, each one needs to know what is the will of God for you. Okay, that's a huge circle. If you read the Garden of Eden, story of Garden of Eden, you'll realize how big the will is that. Eat from every tree. Don't eat from this tree. Don't look at that tree, that one tree. No, don't look at look at the other trees. Okay, That's how the will of God is. Within the will of God for everyone, whatever is for you, you can only discover it yourself. Please understand this very, very clearly. There's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. In the new covenant, the office of the prophet is completely different. It's not like the old covenant. 
The old covenant people went to the prophet to know things. The new covenant, the very spirit of God has come into everyone. So the office of the prophet has changed. He primarily brings correction to doctrine. A prophet may confirm what you have already heard from God. But each one of us is responsible from hearing from God about our own personal lives. Even if you come to me, I will counsel you. I won't tell you what to do. I know so many of people who call me wants me to take the decision for you. I said I will not. Because if I take a decision for you, then I am responsible for that decision. And I cannot be responsible for that decision because simply my name is James, not God. I am not God. It's a very good thing. Like now when they asked John, are you? He said, I am not. I am not. One of the first things you look in the mirror and say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I am not God. I am not God. Okay. It's a very liberating thought to entertain and meditate on. Okay. Every day. Okay. So please understand. Each one of us is personally responsible for our own lives. Okay? Nobody else is. So it doesn't matter what has happened to your past, or what is happening now, or what will happen in the future. If you understand what faith is, faith is victory. Whatever happened in your past cannot defeat you. Whatever is standing between you and in the future cannot defeat you, because God's word says, faith is victory. Faith is victory. And that's what Jesus is telling him. He's telling to a father, heartbroken father, his child from childhood, his God, his demon, spirit of infirmity, of epilepsy, throws this boy all around into the fire, into the water. It's a heartbreaking life. And to that father, Jesus says, if you can, he says, your disciples couldn't do anything. I brought them to you, him to you. And as soon as he brought the child to Jesus. The demon manifests even more strongly. Now he's foaming at the mouth. Remember, just when you take a problem to Jesus, the demons sometimes will aggravate the situation, hoping you will stop praying, stop asking, stop seeking. This is Jesus standing over there. And the situation went out of control. You know why? Hoping the father will give up hope give up and take the boy back. That's how the enemy does. That's why we talk about a faith that doesn't give up. A faith, you know you are in the will of God and you know this is what God wants you to do. Then be ready for hurdles and be ready for a fight. That is what Paul is talking about. I fought the good fight. And you read the book of Acts from chapter 9 onwards. It is the story of Paul and the hurdles he faced. And he refused to quit. And then to this father, Jesus says this, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, to her who believes. So the first thing, after you are saved and everything, you know, as you read, meditate upon the word of God, remember, this is the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, you don't know what you have. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you are going. You don't know what is there for you. You don't know anything if you don't know this. This is the will of God. And the Bible is so very clear. John says it very clearly. If we ask according to the will of God. 
You got a A for an answer. Then fight until you see it happening. So here, Jesus says, healing, deliverance is my father's will. Isaiah 53.3 and then this was to fulfill Isaiah 53.3. What is that? He bore our infirmities and diseases upon himself. So never question whether healing is the will of God. Let's find out what is the block. There are many blocks to faith. So many blocks to faith. Each one you have to wake up and encounter and fight. You'll have to fight doubt. You have to fight worry. You have to fight anxiety. You have to fight fear. You have to fight reasoning. And that's what happened to all educated young people, old people. Reasoning. That's what our education system is. It's teaching us to reason. But reason doesn't work with faith. Presumption. Assuming things of God without being very sure. Don't assume this is the will of God. Be very sure. Presumption can kill you. If you presume, presume this is the will of God. Okay, don't presume. These things are very clear in the Bible. So you have, and I have to, we have to daily deal with these battles of faith. So here is Jesus. Okay. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you're dealing with a situation, let us say, a sin, addiction, Habitual, whatever it is, whichever kind of sin it is you are struggling with. First you have to believe that it is God's will, your complete victory over sin. Never doubt that. It is God's will that you have victory over sin. If you believe, then it is possible. Don't compromise. Don't, don't accept Don't accept your defeat as your default setting. You have to believe. This is what I'm talking about. You have to believe this is. Okay? If you don't believe that God's desire for you is that you prosper in all things, then if you don't believe, then it won't become possible. That is what we need. What are we believing about? We are believing about who God is. Who is God? What kind of a God is this? Yesterday's Q&A, we said, you need to believe both sides of Romans eleven twenty-two. What is that? Believe with all your heart the kindness of God and believe with all your heart the severity of God. Believe. If you say civil, see, many children are not disciplined. You know why? Because they know you don't mean what you say. My kids were small. I think their entire life they got spanked only twice. But I told them, if I take the stick, it will be an episode of remembrance. I learned it from my father. My father said, if I take the cane, you will not sit on your backside for a week. Bete, don't do Child says it's very nice. I didn't know. That's why the children don't listen. You're trying to reason with them, counsel with them. They don't understand reason. They don't understand counsel. They understand only one thing, which is called pain or pleasure. 
The kindness of God or the severity of God? Try it. And if you are consistent, suddenly you will see it is so easy to train a child because their memory is like that. They will forget a bad habit very fast. Very fast. Because that's the way they are. Their minds are empty. It's very easy to train children when they are small. When they grow older and all the junk gets into their head, then it is difficult. But I'm talking about believe with you all your heart the goodness of God, the severity of God. And God says, I'll smack the daylights out of you. He means it. When God says at the same time, my kindness I will not remove from you. A thousand generations can go by. It still continues with the house of David. He means what he says. He means what he says. That is where we understand who God is. No, Like we say, you, you pay through your nose to get a degree on creation and get a E or an F on the creator. Here we teach you about the creator, not creation. So there is Joshua. There are the people of Israel, a generation. Imagine, there was no difference between the promises given to the first generation and the second generation. The promises are exactly the same. The first generation took all the promises and wandered for 40 years and died. And the only reason they died like that, Bible says, was simply because God was not pleased with them. A second generation, who should have been the generation who failed, should have failed. You know why they should have failed? Because they all came from dysfunctional families. Fathers who were rebels, mothers who were complaining and grumbling. All disobedient people. Their children should have automatically failed. Instead, they succeeded. Because your future is not determined by your past unless you allow it. It should be determined by God. They took the promises of God. They held on to it and they overcame. Third generation went down. If we take the entire history of Israel, I don't know how many thousand years, 4,000, 5,000, Years of Israel's history. We give you the data. Around 40 years of the second generation, Joshua's generation, after the conquest of the promised land. Then, 33 years of David. And 40 years of Solomon. Together is how much? 113 years of peace is all they have experienced in their entire history. You know why? Because they didn't believe what he said. A nation's history. Till today. Till today. Every promise of the old covenant still stands for them. They don't believe. That is why we are talking about believe. What God says. Believe. So now, now they are getting ready to persist. Ready to cross. Let's go to Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I heard an old time pastor 
say. God's people are always looking for the spectacular that they miss the supernatural. We are not natural. We are supernatural because our God is a supernatural. But sometimes we are looking for this spectacular we miss to experience the supernatural. And here God comes and tells, these are simple principles in the kingdom of God, which you receive by faith. Okay, I want God to do wonders in my life. I don't care if others don't care, but I want you to do wonders in my life. And God says, I'm going to do wonders in your life. What does he say? God will do wonders among you and make it personal. You, in my life, Lord, I want you to do wonders. I take it as a promise. Because the word of God says, every promise in the Bible is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I take it as a promise, Lord, that you will. I'm looking into my tomorrow, into my future. And I'm believing in, despite of all the bad news in the newspaper, I don't care about that. I'm still believing you will do wonders in my life. But what should I do? God says, sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. So God says, I want to do something among you. I want to do something in your life, which by natural means is not possible. But I want you to do something so that I can do that in you or through you. What is it? Sanctify or separate your. Sanctify means simple language to set apart or separate for a holy use. He says, I want you to separate yourself for my use. My use. My holy use. If you look at the pattern in the new covenant, new covenant, before the Holy Spirit could come down in power, in power, in Acts chapter 1, 14 and 2, 1 says, This all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And two one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What was happening? <laughs> they had set themselves apart. He said, wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Okay. So what did they do? They didn't know how many days, which was ten days. Ten days, practically speaking, they set themselves apart. That is why the traditional church this thing, you have 40 days of land. What is the purpose of the land? You are setting yourself apart for 40 days. What? Setting you apart. Go through your life, cleansing yourself. But there is no expectation. It has become a ritual. What is the expectation? <laughs> the expectation is that you will do wonder. What was their expectation? They have only heard. They didn't really know what it was going to be like. He says, you shall receive power from above. One little child prayed. It's very simple. In a kid's language, she prayed. No, we just don't want to be Christians on a Sunday. And then Monday onwards when we go, our light needs to shine. Very few are called to ministry. But all are called to be a witness. Witness of Christ. Witness of that life. And for that witness, we need power. If we don't have that power, 
we won't have a witness. We will witness something. It is impossible for anybody not to witness. You will witness something else. But he says, wait in Jerusalem. Once you receive, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Doesn't matter where it is. Jerusalem, Judea, summary, ends of the earth. But you shall be my witnesses. And that's what they are waiting for. And that's what they are doing. They are sanctified. But how many were there? 120. Nobody else. Only 120 sanctified themselves. Though in Corinthians 15, Paul says the Lord appeared to over 500 of his disciples. Okay, disciples. Only 120 were there. Okay. Uh, second is a Sunday. And ninth is a Sunday. From second evening to ninth morning, we'll have a seven day fast. And then come as resurrected beings and have our usual lunch together. Have seasons. As a church, we can do it. But I'm telling you, personally, you should have seasons. Where you sit. Don't take. Because you know what? There is a God who is watching our lives. It's a God who is watching. Are you serious? Are you serious about my son and my spirit and the life which I want to give it to you? Are you serious? Here Joshua comes and says, you know what? Sanctify yourselves. Why do you have to sanctify? Because you know what? God wants to do wonderful things in your midst. The previous generation, look at Deuteronomy 23 and verse 14. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies to you. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. See? We don't have physical enemies, though we may have, but for us they are not our enemies. We have spiritual enemies. And their rightful place in our life, our spiritual enemies, is under our feet. Okay? That's why we keep those, uh, uh, not the carpets, what you call the footmats outside, so you wipe your feet when you come in, so the demons are left out, because that's their rightful place under your feet. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. They shall by no means harm you. Even Satan himself, the Lord says, the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. This is what you need. This is what he is coming for. He is coming to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. But, God says, when I come into your midst to do this for you, there is something I want to see in your camp. Therefore your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Are you getting it? Okay. Now for them in the old covenant, it was all outward. The law was outward. The new covenant, the law is not outward, it is inward. Okay, they all would be busy washing their clothes, bathing, and all that stuff they did. God was looking into the inward, but as a lesson, they started with the outward. With us, it is not primarily outward, though it has to touch the outward. For us, it is inward. We have to sanctify ourselves. They had been removed out of what you call out of Egypt. But 40 years later with the earlier generation, God could not remove Egypt out of them. 
And we have to sanctify ourselves of all doubt, of fear, of worry, anxiety, and any reasoning that contradicts what God has said. Anything that is uncleaning or undisplacing in God's sight. Don't assume these things. These are all there. It's all very clear. There's nothing confusing. The Bible is very, very simple. One thing I have understood about the New Testament is very simple. What to do, what not to do. You don't need a PhD to understand it. Very simple. And God says, not only can you do it, if you want, not if you want, if that is your desire, I'll also give you the power to do it. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. This is where faith, wherever you see this word, sanctify, separate, holy, all kind of means the same thing. Bring faith into it. God will never ask you to do something unless it is possible. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, okay, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. Okay, this is Corinthian church, old days, a lot of unbelieving. Everywhere you go, you will see India plenty. People get saved from different backgrounds, and then they realize husband is saved, wife is not saved, wife is saved, husband is saved, and suddenly something happens over there. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. We'll come to the children later. What is he talking about? Suddenly what happens is, let us say, it's a wife who gets saved. And the husband is still unsaved. Suddenly you have a separated holy vessel in the house. And he's able to see the difference. Now, his chances getting saved is so much more than any other man. Why? He's got a sanctified vessel in his house. And his children, your children are now holy. Why? It does not matter if only one parent is believing, at least that parent is a source of light to that child other than the other children who have living in darkness. Timothy's father is Greek, mother is a believer, grandmother is a believer. And you know, it was the faith of the grandmother and the mother that was passed on to Timothy. What has happened? Their faith had sanctified their spouses, set them apart, and their children had access to the light. So whenever you hear the word sanctify, you need to understand what it means. I have been set apart for a holy use. Bring faith into it and say, you know what? I believe, Lord. I believe. If you are, if your spouse doesn't believe, your, your, your wife doesn't believe, your husband doesn't believe, or your parents don't believe, your siblings don't believe, you know what happens? Because you choose to sanctify yourself, separate yourself unto God. God says, you become a vessel that will touch their lives. Touch their lives. Joseph was a sanctified vessel, separated unto God in Egypt, the only believer in Egypt. But Potiphar saw, the prison warden saw, and the Pharaoh saw. His, that God was with him. So he became a vessel of witness, of testimony to the others. That's what God is talking about. 
what sanctification means. Set apart for a holy use. If you come to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2021, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, so now the honest is on us. Joshua is not telling God will clean. Yes, he does. But there is something which is our part. God will do his part. We have to do our part. If a young man or a young woman cleanses himself, there's a promise you can hold on to. Lord, you have said, if I sanctify myself, if I cleanse myself, through what you have given in the word of God and through your spirit, you have said, you will use me as a vessel of honor. That is my desire. I want to be used as a vessel of honor in your house. You see, that's why we use this word hope. And instead of hope, I gave you another word to be simply expectations. What is your expectation in life? What is your expectation? When you come to God, what is your expectation? What is that you want to be? What is your expectation? All of you know young people who got job. When you go for a job interview, there are two groups. One is you and the other is the interviewing party. They will tell you what is their expectations. And they will ask you, what are your expectations? So both sides have their own expectations. So when you go to God, what is your expectation? What is your expectation? Our issue is our expectations are wrong. I'll not get into that and disappoint you. So he says, if you sanctify yourself, God will use you as a vessel of honor. Useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. Good work. That was Joseph. I mean, like I said, Joseph had four masters. Jacob, Potiphar, Priesthood Warden, and Pharaoh. In his house, he was a shepherd boy. In Potiphar's house, he was in charge of the household and real estate. In prison, he was in charge of the prisoners. And in Pharaoh, he was governor. All four job profiles were different. But he was successful in everything. How is that possible? Because he was a vessel of honor. He didn't have an MBA. He didn't go to school. He didn't go to college. But he had a successful career in every place. Why? Because he sanctified himself. Look at a little boy, about a little boy, written in First Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. None of his words fall to the ground. How could a boy become like that? Simply because his mother taught him what is sanctification. How to become a vessel of honor in God's hands. And God was able to do wondrous things in him and through him. Simple principles by faith you receive. We'll come back to consecration. Joshua 3, verse 6. And Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, 
take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the, of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into Jordan. The ark of the covenant had another name, a different names. It was called the ark of testimony. It was called the ark of the presence because his presence was with the ark. Remember Exodus 33, 50 and Moses' prayer? When he came to, finally came to Mount Sinai, he asked, Lord, if it is, yeah, it's okay. This is the one I want, okay? That show me your ways, desire your people. And this is God's answer. No, my presence shall go with you. And then he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Get this picture very clear. Do you have the guts to pray this? He's standing in the wilderness. Behind is Egypt. Ahead is the promised land. He's saying, he's not saying I want to go back and become Pharaoh. He's not saying I want to go to the promised land. He says, if your presence does not go with us, don't take us up from here. You need to understand what the ark means. In their entire history, the ark was connected with the presence of God. There was the temple. You take the ark out, the temple meant nothing. The temple itself had its meaning because of the ark. Because the presence of God for the nation was with the ark. And here is a man. Here is a man. Who is praying this prayer. If you go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 40. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he's telling them, you know what? Stay in Jerusalem until the presence comes. Once he comes, you will receive power. Don't leave. Who is going to come? From Genesis 1-2 onwards till Revelation 22-17, if I'm right, the Holy Spirit is there. But this is going to be different. This is going to be different. This is going to be a different manifestation of the Holy Spirit like never before. He said, wait. Wait. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 2 and 3 we see, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 120 people in a room. It Filled the whole house. And verse 3 says, There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. There was a corporate filling of the Holy Spirit and an individual filling of the Holy Spirit. This was the promise. My presence shall go with you. My presence shall go with you. And this is what Moses is praying in the Old Covenant, which is unthinkable as a corporate or individual level in their entire history, which is a promise given only in the New Covenant. What is that? My presence shall go with you. That is what God is telling. 
Who shall go before? The priest bearing the ark. The book of Joshua. This is not a book of wandering. It's a book with definite movement and victory. And the book of Acts is not a book of wandering. It's a book of faith, of persecution, and victory. All those who believed in the promise. I said the Holy Spirit is always there. But there has to be a release of the Holy Spirit continuously in the lives of those who are thirsty. What is the purpose? That's what I said. What is your expectation? Arundhati, what is the expectation? I want to be a witness. We say that, but we don't mean that. What we mean is that I want you to witness me. Because our minds is full of America, what is Indian Idol, American Idol, all these things. So we don't want to witness Christ. We want Christ to witness us. It's so very subtle. I said, is the object of your faith God or is the object of faith yourself? It's so subtle. It is so subtle. And both groups, the scripture they use is exactly the same. Only thing you have turned. You turn the object. So God is no longer using you. You are desperately trying to use God. And it is so subtle. Yesterday we had this question. Where did it come from? I think it came from the Middle East. It is a question about no, the Lord's Prayer. Your name, your kingdom, your will. That's how your expectation of your prayer should be, right? At the end of an answer of a prayer, your name is glorified, your will has been done, and your kingdom has enlarged. Is that your expectation? Is that my expectation? This is what he's telling them. It's a completely different shift in Israel's life. Because all these years, they had a man with a stick. Now God says, no man, he's dead, he's gone. That paradigm is over. It's a new paradigm. What is that? The ark, the priest carrying the ark shall go before thee. What does he say in verse 3? No, no, sorry. 3-3, three, three, okay? Not 1-3. Three. 3-3, three, three, I wrote 1 by mistake. 3-3 three, three, and 3-6. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Go after it. Go after. Now we will go, if you have seatbelts, fasten your seatbelts, okay? We go to Mark chapter 8. Yeah, 3, 6, same thing. Okay? The people go, the ark goes before. Mark 8. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also. One of the few rare occasion he gives this to everybody. Crowds are there. Teaches them in parables. They understand nothing. 
because they are out there only for miracles. They want their healing, they want their deliverance, they want free food, they take it and they go. So to them also he teaches in coded language which they don't understand. Then he said to them, both groups, whoever desires to come after me, go after the ark. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let me ask you this question. Do you know why Christians struggle with the Bible? They don't understand. And no faith is important. Because they are not going after him. There is a condition for hearing from God. You go after him. You go after him. He says, Whoever desires to come after me, the first thing he says is, What do you need to do? Deny? No, not the cross. Cross is common. This is not Jesus' cross. This is your cross. Everybody in the world, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, has a cross. You cannot live without a cross. That is not what he is saying. He is talking about deny himself. If you, there are a lot of people who do not deny himself, but they take up their cross. Ask Pastor Vijay. How many people wrote the entrance for IIT? You think they randomly passed? No. Those who passed had their cross. But they were not denying themselves. They are very clear, this is what I want. Therefore, I am willing to sacrifice my time, my sleep, my pleasures. And then as soon as they got it, they threw the books around and they went for their movies. Because it was never connected with God. It was connected with self. It was never connected with God. You see, the cross is very... The fellow who does not wake up in the morning, he's also picked up his cross. See, this cross is very... It's a very universal object. It has got to do with are you denying yourself or are you exalting self? That's the question. He says, if you want to be a disciple, you want to be a disciple. What do you need to do? You need to deny yourself. Because you need to understand why sight is easier than faith. The problem with faith, every time the problem with faith is this. Faith comes from you have to listen to somebody else. Who likes to listen to somebody else? Even children don't like listening to parents. Are you getting the picture? You know what actually faith means? Uh, uh, This Illustrations have to be shown over and over again so that you will understand. Just give me a pen, your pen. Now you can take it back. The minute I said, Kritika, give your pen. If she listens and obeys, from the moment she comes and gives the pen to me and then I return it to her, her life has ceased. She's living my life. The only way she can come and give the pen to me, she has to deny herself and live for me. She's not living for herself. There is nothing that she's doing now, it's about her. Though it is her body, it's her strength, it's her power, it's her will, it's me, it's not her. That's what faith is. You stop living, Christ starts living. 
Therefore, it is impossible to become a disciple unless you deny yourself. That's why there are very few disciples. There are followers. And you need to ask ourselves the question, am I a follower? Or am I a disciple? And the, the commission is to make disciples. So the question is, in my home, am I a disciple? In my church, am I a disciple? In my workplace, am I a disciple? We like these titles, no? You are a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Peter says, you are a royal priesthood. Question is, are you carrying the ark? Are you carrying the presence? Because the priests were called to deny themselves. The Old Testament picture. This shall be a nation of priests for me. All twelve tribes. But on that day something took place. Moses went up. They went haywire. Moses came down, stood at the gateway of the camp and said, whoever is on the side of the Lord, come to me. Only one tribe denied themselves. That was the tribe of Levi. And what was told to them? Take your sword, strap to your side, go into the camp and kill everyone who is worshipped that idol. It could be uncle, auntie, dad, mom, brother, sister, it doesn't matter. Three thousand died and they could only do it if they denied themselves. That day God set apart the Levites as priests who bear his presence. And then he told them, in the land that you are going, you will have no inheritance. I am your inheritance. So when God says, deny you need to ask yourself, if I deny, what do I get? God says, you get me. You get me. That's why I ask you the question, what is your expectation? We can say randomly, David's verses, one day in the house of the Lord is like thousand elsewhere and all. But is that your expectation? So first we have to hear the truth. This is it. If I do this, I get this. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Oh, we talk about Hebrews 11.6, right? It is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But actually, who is He talking about? You know, what did you know get? He got God. God took him and he was living. Did you come home with me? What did Enoch get? Enoch got God. So like I said, these things cannot be received corporately. It's each one's decision. Only I can make a decision for myself. I can't even make a decision for my wife or my children. Nobody can. If they could, it wouldn't be written, two will be in the bed and one will be taken. It will not be written that Mrs. Noah, Enoch was not taken. Neither Enoch's children. Only Enoch was taken. So each one of us have to make a decision. Make a decision. Lord, I want to come after you. That's what Jesus says. You have to 
Deny yourself. First, you have to deny yourself. Second, you have to pick up your cross. And then, you have to follow. You can't follow me, which is step three without one and two. You cannot. He says you cannot follow me. You're following yourself. <laughs> You're not following me. Remember old, old illustrations? Verses? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two of John's disciples immediately started following. He says, stop and said, what do you see? What do you see? Question he often asked her, what do you see? I am blind. I am hungry. What do you see? He said, where do you stay? He said, come and see. All they need is one evening with Jesus. The next day, Andrew went out and told he had found the Messiah. What do we seek? Follow the ark. Go after the ark. And then suddenly in the new covenant, God says, if you really, really want to follow me, come after me. Remember, this is the condition. You have to deny yourself. The new covenant God gave us the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God. In John 14 and verse 17, this is what Jesus says. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Do you know him? The difference, there are many differences between the world and us. But the first difference between the world and us is the world doesn't know the Spirit of God. We know the Spirit of God. Do you know him? Because the first separation that takes place is the Spirit of God comes into us and that's the separation. And the question is, Jesus says, you will know him. You will know him. But you know him. Why? For he dwells with you and he will be in you. In you was not there in the old covenant. This is a new covenant phenomenon. He's with you and he's in you. The simple question we need to ask ourselves is, is he with me? Is he with me? Like all of you come from homes. If your wife is in the home or not, you will know. Sometimes my wife will shout from the bathroom, Honey, are you there? I said, I am there. Why? Because I was very silent. Very quiet. Are you there? I said, I am here. Do you know him? He said he will never leave you. Never, ever leave you. This is forever. This is not a one time or this life. This is forever. How do we know? How do we learn to follow this presence? This is person. How do we learn to follow this presence? How do we learn to go after him? To go with him? Look how Jesus puts it across. John 16 and verse 8. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin. When he has come, 
And he has come. What's the first thing he does? He's in you. But he's also with you. See, only the Holy Spirit can do these things. Okay? He's in you. But he's also with you. When you wake up in the morning, you suddenly realize he's with you. And if there is an iota of world in us, he will remind us. You are in this world, but you are not of it. So, because we are not of it, he will condemn you. No, he will convict you. That's the first thing that happens. There was no conviction this morning. Then you were not aware of his presence. You cannot escape a single day in your life without the conviction of the Holy Spirit because if any man says he is without sin, he makes God a liar. If you go through a day or a week, let us say, without any conviction, that means 24-7, you literally walk by faith because whatever is of faith is not sin. Did he walk by faith? There's only one man who walked like that ever to Jesus. It does not have to be great, moral, ethical sin. And all. We are not talking about whatever is not a faith sin. The only way to escape this sin is by faith. And faith comes from hearing. Our issue is not with the word of God. Our issue is with the hearing. But the problem is if it was written, faith comes from the word of God, I become the arbitrator of what faith is. But the minute it becomes hearing, it becomes the Holy Spirit and not me. That is why we want to easily avoid that thing called hearing. And say, I read my Bible, I did my Bible study, I prayed. That's all you. But faith comes from hearing. It's another person who is in you, who is with you. That is our issue. Because we need faith. <laughs> because the promise is there. Faith is victory. Faith comes from hearing. See voices and voices. The world is full of voices. And we are also full of voices. Our body has voices which are called feelings or desires. Nice smell of biryani comes from that side. Suddenly there is a voice. Right? Hunger is a voice. How did you know you were hungry? If your stomach went on strike, how will you know you are hungry? Okay. So, body has its voices. It has voices. That voices speak to us. And depending upon our condition and frame of mind, we deal with those voices, one way or other. Body has its voices. Your soul Primarily your mind has its own voices. That is what we call reason. People are always reasoning with God. But when you are born again, you need to realize what happened is man was made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, and God is a spirit. When man sinned, the spirit went dead. Spirit went dead. 
That is why when God is coming in the cool of the evening, the man who has only now the soul and the body, the spirit is gone blank, runs away from God. And he's reasoning with God. What does he say? The woman, the woman says the serpent. They're all reasoning. The restoration of what happened in the garden is what is happening with salvation. Salvation happens when the Spirit of God comes in. There is a part of you that comes alive. That's your spirit. That's where God speaks. You know, we are all trying to be very reasonable people with our soul, with the God, with the word of God. It doesn't work that way. Faith doesn't come from the soul. It comes from the spirit. Solomon prophesied this about us in the Old Covenant, in Proverbs 20 and 27. The spirit of man is the Lamb of God, not the soul of man. It is the spirit of man which is the Lamb of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. If God doesn't speak through his spirit to your spirit, you will not know who you are. You, you and I cannot figure this out with our reason to a limit. After that we go blank. We cannot understand these things. Are we trying to get something? Something? Go to Romans chapter 8. In verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Let's wait there. Okay, let's wait there. Okay, let's read both verses. Let's read 6 also. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and spirit. Let's go to verse 5 first. When you take this flesh, don't run away with it. Oh, flesh means you're old man. You're old man. If you live according to the old man, there are two ways you can live. Live according to the old man, or live according to the spirit. The old man is always thinking about the things the old man is interested. Remember, it is the old man who built this world. The new man did not build this world. This world was built by the old man. That is the man of the flesh. Those who live according to the old man set their minds on the things of the old man. That is why Jesus comes and says, give me a few seconds. Can I talk to you about the Father? Don't worry about what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Isn't life more than all this? Let me ask you this question for everybody sitting here from the time you were born till today. What is common about all of us? Food, drink and clothing. Even houses we changed. One thing common is that food, drink and clothing. And everything that you are doing and struggling is basically to meet these three needs. Be honest. The more you acquire, the more secure you believe because I can have food, water and clothing. 
God says, what a pitiable life. It's in life more than this. Are we getting what God is saying? If you live according to the mind, old man, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now go to verse 6, suddenly you will realize. To be carnally minded, to think about this life on earth alone, itself is death. You don't have to do anything, it is death. It's just dead men living. Dead men living. But to be spiritually minded is, that is life. And peace. So there is something called, now he's not talking, see, the Bible is written for believers. It's not written for unbelievers. The epistles are written for people who are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise you won't understand what the epistle is talking about. Unsaved man reads the Bible, gets good principles and goes back into the world. The Bible is written by the Spirit of God for spiritual people. And the Spirit of God is there in everyone who is born again. But the question is, are we hearing it? Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If any man wants to come after me, so if I am going after him, then he is leading me. He says, you need to go through these three steps and then it is the Spirit of God who is leading me, then I become a son of God. How does he lead? Verse 16. From the beginning till the end, how does he lead? Listen to these words very carefully. The Spirit himself bears witness with our, not with your soul, not with your flesh. He bears witness only to your spirit. Because he is a spirit. And he bears witness to your spirit. Problem is we went for 20 years, 25 years of education. We trained our souls. And when we sat in church, we sat like dummies and never learned how to train our spirits. Therefore we are worried. We are anxious. We are always doubting. We are fearful. Why? Because our spirits were never trained while he bears witness with our spirit. He doesn't bear witness to my soul. He bears witness to my spirit because God is spirit. That is how faith comes. You know faith is spiritual. It is not soulish. In Corinthians 7, I think, Paul talks about the spirit. We too have the spirit of faith. Faith is spiritual. Which is not of the soul. Because if it is of the soul, you can reason it out. Everything that is of science is of the soul. So the scientist will ask this question, why, where, how, what? You cannot get an answer for spiritual things or faith things by why, where, what, how. Try to explain to me scientifically, how did the walls of Jericho fall? How did Jesus feed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish? How did he walk on water? It is 
unexplainable. But you believe it and understand it by faith. Because faith is of the spirit. It is not of the soul. We are getting it wrong that one side of faith, which is the doctrinal basis on which we live, the church common, and we are forgetting the other side of faith by which we are to make our decisions and we are called to live. It is of the spirit. What I am trying to do, and I have been trying to do it for years and years, is this. Difficult days are ahead. It's been going and it's getting worse and worse and more and more evil and more and more wicked. If you do not know how to hear in your spirit, you will perish. You will not survive. The pressure gets too much. You will compromise and go in with the system. Because there are two laws always operating. You need to understand, even within me, let me be the example. In me, there are two laws operating, always operating. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. And there are two laws operating. Every day there are two laws operating. When an aeroplane is up in the sky, if there are two laws operating, let him come down and he will realize the other law automatically takes over. There are two laws always operating. The question is, under what law am I living? How do you know? How do you know? One, there is no condemnation. Why? Because there is constant conviction. There is conviction. That's why there is no condemnation. There is no conviction. Whether you know it or not, you are living under condemnation. Let me ask you this question. When we use this word condemnation, we'll come back, come back to that later. There is another term for it. Go back to Romans chapter 8. As John 16 and verse 8 onwards, okay? And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Why will we convict the world of sin? Because they do not believe in me. But if you believe in him, there is no condemnation. Any sin, every sin. If you believe in him, there is no condemnation. If you believe, you confess, and you forsake. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. So there is no condemnation. If any man says he is without sin, that means that man has not talked to God that day. That's the only meaning. He didn't hear from God, he didn't seek God, and therefore he's feeling cool. But in the eyes of God, he's a fool. Of sin, because they did not believe in me. So you know, the only factor that matters is this. Do I believe? Do I believe? Verse 10. Of righteousness. Because I go to my father. And you see me? No more. You need to look at verse 10. and say, What does this mean? What kind of a verse is this? He will come and convict the world of sin. He will come and convict me of righteousness. Because you went to the father. And I can't see you anymore. See, before Jesus came, the Pharisees were the arbiters of righteousness. Going around, who is righteous, who is not righteous. 
Okay, your skirt length is too low, you're not righteous. Your sleeve is too short, you're not righteous. Your hair is too long, you're not righteous. They were the arbiters of righteousness. And then Jesus came. When Jesus came, he became the standard and the Pharisees all came. That is why they attended these meetings. Because they were thought they were the cat's whiskers until Christ came. Nicodemus came in the night. We know, sir, you are from God. What was the issue? The issue was his righteousness was a level above. The problem is this. He said, I am going. I am going. You will see me no more. Imagine a situation. Jesus went. We see him no more. The Holy Spirit doesn't come. The standard of righteousness is again the Pharisee. He says, no. The standard of righteousness will be set by him. My spirit sets the standard of righteousness in your lives. It is not the law. It is the spirit. He will convict you. He will convict you of righteousness. Everywhere it is about righteousness. Have you noticed it? Verses we know and we forget. Or we don't carefully. Go to Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was was righteous. We are only looking at the offerings and the upset brother and the, but we are forgetting what was the end of the offering. At the end of the worship where we counted righteous? If God accepts anything from you or me, that means that act is considered righteous. That is the criteria. It is not how well they sang. Whether we had goosebumps. Or we said, wow, today's worship was great. All that is irrelevant. If God has received it, we are. Anybody's worship is received today, your act of worship was considered righteous. Verse 6. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he was condemned the world and became the heir of again righteousness came there. Yesterday we had this question and we answered from Psalm 127. Right? Nobody wants to go to 127, especially with me, because they all get trouble. Because the thing it's about work, it's never about work, it's about the home. It's vain to wake up early in the morning, sit late in the night. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches. And then verse 3, he goes to the children. You were so busy thinking about your office work and he brings it. Oh, he says, I'm not talking, I'm not building any office, I'm not building any corporation, I'm not building your career. I'm only interested in building your home. And there is only one thing in your life that is directly from heaven, that is your children. When you come home, I will ask you, what did you do with your children? Did they know me through you? Because that is your heritage from heaven. And when people hear that in their mind, they want to say, they don't say, Pastor, will you change the subject, please? I had, I liked that question yesterday, no? We send our children to Caesar and they come back as Romans. Friends, Romans, continue. 
Lend me your ears. I have come, have not come to bury Caesar. I have come to praise Jesus. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is interred with their bones. Oh, I can quote Shakespeare. Julius Caesar. Okay. Studied it. Taught it for years. But this is life. Shakespeare is entertainment. I am not here to entertain. Though you may get a little entertainment in the middle. The standard of righteousness is established by the Holy Spirit. I will show you practically. Because there are incidents given in the Bible. Only one time it will be given. Because it's a lesson for us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. We looked at it twice last week. But a certain man named Ananias. With Sapphira, his wife. Sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it brought a certain part and laid it at the apostle's feet. It would have stopped right there if it was the old covenant. Fine. There is absolutely nothing wrong here according to the law. Absolutely nothing wrong in here according to the law. What they have done is an excellent deed. He had his property he sold his property for 100,000 rupees, put 50 home and brought 50 and put it at the pastor's feet. And pastor said, thank you, Lord, you answered my prayer. The problem is, this is a different church. In verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So the standard of righteousness is not determined by anything you think. It is determined by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how sacrificial you are. It doesn't matter how great it looked. It doesn't matter how great a blessing it could have been to the church. Standard is not set by anybody but the Spirit of God. That is why we do not want to go after Him. Standard is set by him. Suddenly you have a question. Who's brought over there? Because there is a man who's full of the Holy Spirit. Even he himself does not understand. He knows he has to speak it out because the Spirit of God is prompting him. Because everybody, if you read the narrative previous and all, are selling property, bringing in. But one man's offering is not accepted. And there is no law about offerings. There's no law about offerings. So under what law are you stopping him? Under what rule? Section? Tell me which section. Under what law, what section are you stopping my giving? The law of life. The law of the spirit of life. You have sinned against the law of spirit of life. In giving? In giving sacrificially? Yes. This is the life to which God is calling us. And this is not a joke. This is the very life of God. This is the very life of God. Look at verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You did not lie to men. You lied to God. You know what's happening? You know what Peter is telling Ananias? And what we understand what happens with all of us? This man and his wife, forget the reason what they did. Leave it alone. We can assume hypocrisy and all those things. Leave that all aside. They are planning this. 
when they are planning this, the Spirit of God is telling them, don't do it. Don't do it. They ignore that voice. They are planning to sell it. The Holy Spirit says, don't do it. They ignore that voice. And when they went and sold it, when they sold it, the Lord said, don't do it. Don't give it now. I will tell you when to give. Your giving is right, but your heart is not. Don't give it now. You are not ready to give. Because now you are giving it for yourself. I will tell you when you give it to God. Don't give it now. They didn't listen. Then they put away a side. They took the other side. And they broke the spirit of life in which the entire church was operating. God said, why did you do this? Think you are going in an aircraft. Think you are 30,000 feet above the earth. And then one guy goes over there and opens the door. What happens to the whole aircraft? Boom! It goes down. Why? Because you broke the law of life under which it was flying. Yet, is in that door actually for you to get in and get out? Yes, but not this time. Not this time. Learning to hear. There is a real person in each one of us. That's why I said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Did you lie to the Holy Spirit this morning? Did you ignore his voice this morning? He's the Spirit of life. Go to verse 7 onwards. And in his hearing, these words fell down and breathed his last. So great fear. Okay, He died. First time. Now, we don't fall down and die. We just die slowly. If the spirit is life, and the voice of the spirit is becoming lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser in my life. I was there beside my dad when he died, literally sitting beside him when he died. How did you know? Breathing was getting slower, 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 slower. I stopped breathing. I woke my mother and said, let me run. By the time I came back, he was gone. How did you know? It's getting lesser, lesser, lesser. Then, over, you're gone. You don't suddenly fall down and die in home or church today. It just gets lesser, lesser. That's why in Thessalonians, in letter in Thessalonians, to Thessalonians, Jesus used his terms. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. It's not that you are not dead. It's not that you lost your salvation. I'm not saying that. What happened is, stop speaking to you. If you're not interested in a relationship, if you're not interested in hearing about my son, I'll also stop talking about him. To you about him. That's what happened. A little later the wife comes. Look at verse 7. Now it was about three hours later. God waited three hours. Three hours later. I don't know where she was. She came back. She doesn't know what has happened to her husband. 
not knowing what had happened. And Peter is asking a question. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Still merciful God, still giving her. Did you sell it for 50k? And she said, yes, but they had sold it for 1k. 100k. She said, yes, for so much. Then Spirit, Peter said to her, how is that you have agreed together to test? See, this is the law of life. It is a person. Is the arbiter of the word of God, not you. You may think, I have done everything according to the word of God. But if he says, you haven't, you haven't. You haven't. It's not that you are condemned. But you saying, there is only one righteousness that is acceptable. It is the righteousness of God that comes by faith. And faith alone. Nothing else. It's a powerful life. You see the issue here is these two people reasoned. They reasoned. They were reasonable people. They said, after all, it is our land. We are doing a great blessing to the church. We are selling. We are giving half of our property. They are reasonable. They are not listening to the inner voice. Voice saying, don't do it. Now that you have sold it, don't do it now. I will tell you. (laughs) Do you know why Jesus put this thing about praying, fasting, giving? He says, practice first all these things in secret. Because that is when the Lordship of the Holy Spirit is established. When you don't do these things in secret, the public is irrelevant. Because the secret place, he who abides in the, he who abides in the, prays secretly. Let us add new covenant and old covenant together. He who abides in the, prays secretly. He fasts secretly. He gives secretly. God will honor him publicly. But that's not what we want. We want to be honored publicly. When we have no secret life at all. And secretly we are plotting. And ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. Because every day we have this choice. To follow the ark. And carry the presence. We ignore that voice. We give to the voice of our feelings. We give to the voice of reason. Then when we are convicted, we don't go back and say, I'm sorry Lord. I, ple- I plead guilty. That's what accountability means. See, we cannot change anything. Rare cases we may be able to make restitution. But generally in life it's very difficult to make restitution. But what we can do is plead guilty. Not plead the fifth. The right to remain silent. No. Lord, I am guilty. And that's all he's asking. He will convict you of sin and then show you the righteousness that comes by faith. 
is not condemning. We condemn ourselves by not pleading guilty. Can you imagine the situation? Adam, Adam, where you are? And Adam and Eve come running and fall at Jesus and start crying. What a different story should have been. Having a different story altogether, right? But they don't. Did he come to condemn? No. He came to save. The Son of Man's agenda has never come, changed. He comes to seek to save the lost. And his first children were lost. He came to save them. She is guilty. That crawling thing, no, that one, that is guilty. I am not guilty. The woman, the woman, the woman. This is this is how men point fingers at their wife. The woman, you get woman, you get And the woman turns around and says, That man, that man. God says, I take responsibility. That's why man and women, that's why hung like that. I take responsibility for him and her. Don't ignore that voice. He doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. Jesus will not raise his voice in the streets. Just because our voice is soft does not mean I am tough. Just because Jesus' voice is even more soft than Adam. After waking up, angelic ministry, feeding him manna after 40 days, he asked Elijah in a whisper, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? He was not in the fire. He was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was in the whisper. We don't serve an idol. We serve a God who speaks. John 16, verse 11. When he comes of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Do we understand that? Do you understand what this means? Go to Genesis 6 and verse 7. So the Lord said, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. He said it. Once he said it, judgment is set. When did it happen? 120 years later. But judgment already has been passed. When did it happen? 120 years later. Now there is only one way out for mankind. There is a man. He will build something and he will preach a message. If you believe that message, you get in. The very fact of believing that message and getting in is that you have passed from judgment. If I was Noah, and I was building it, started building and preaching the message, 
if Moses hears that message and he believes that message, it didn't happen in Moses' time, sorry, Noah's time, but this is how it happens. He hears that message. He believes that message. You know what he does? How do you know he believes the message? He will come and say, Noah, sir, can I help you in building? Can I help you in building? Can I do something with what? Because this is what you are building. I believe your message. I believe your message. That's what I'm asking. What is that you do that is connected to the kingdom of God in your life? Have you believed the message? What is that you do that is connected? Go to Hebrews 11 and verse 7. What is he doing? He moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving. What is that you do that is connected with salvation of people? That's what God is doing. That is the entire work of the church. Saving of people, saving of people, sanctifying of people, preparing a bride. That's the work of the church. The question is, have you believed that message? Because judgment is already set. It came to only 120 years later. Jesus stepped into mankind the ruler of this world is already just. The minute he stepped down, it is over. He is not the Joshua who is going to make mistakes. He is not going to make a single mistake. So the minute he came, the incarnation took place. The enemy has been defeated. 33 years later, it will happen in the heavenly realms. And it is going to happen one day very soon. This whole world is going to be judged. Not a single thing mankind has built will be left on earth. Everything will be burned up by fire. Not a sin, not your paintings, not your thing. Nothing will be left. If that is true and you have believed that message, have you stepped out of the world? That's your act of faith. If you believe the message, I'm in the world, but I am not part of the world. I'll tell you. doesn't matter how long you have sat in the church. Maybe you are not saved. I am not the arbiter of salvation. But I am telling you, maybe you are not saved. Because he will convict the world of judgment. Last week, Swapnalog complex caught fire. Six people died. Keeps on happening in Hyderabad. Buildings, old buildings. Imagine that building, the whole thing caught fire, people died. Now there are no people inside. And GMGMC puts a notice under condemnation. Condemned. Meaning it cannot be occupied anymore. And they have, let us say, they fixed a date. Today is March 19th, April 15th. We are pulling the building down. And there are 10 people who got inside and sitting happily. And April 15th, building down. If they die, is GMGMC responsible? This world is under judgment. The ruler of this world already has been judged. Question is, where is your heart? Where is your mind? Did you hear his voice? 
the old testament was not written for israel the old testament was written for us even they did not know what they were doing why would abraham isaac and jacob have to live like pilgrims in tents so that they would speak to us by saying they are pilgrims and sojourners in this land they were looking for a better country a better city another family do we believe every day don't listen to the holy spirit to see how can push me further in this world and my promotion no that is not the holy spirit name it and claim it brother oh that's not the holy spirit that's your spirit are we hearing his voice telling us to be prepared you read any episode tell me which episode does not warn you what is coming and to be prepared yes god wants to do amazing things now midst but it's got to do with a life the life of christ romans 86 go back there to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life is life and don't miss this out it's a very important word in the bible there are different kinds of peace all peace is not the same the first and the foremost peace the one it is said in Romans 5:1 because we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord that's the first peace you want because it is appointed unto every man to die once and after that it is all of us will die one or the two will take place either he will come or we will die when we die only this peace matters do we have peace with god don't assume i'm not saying do you assume and say you can know why because the spirit bears witness to your spirit that you are the children of god how do you know you am a child of god because i remember in the year 1947 august 15 i confessed and then gandhi baptized me no no that is not how it takes place do you have the witness of the spirit in your spirit are you spiritually alive or are you thinking it rattling everything from your soul this is not a soulish thing this is a spiritual thing because god is a spirit do you have conviction in your spirit everything is right you did everything right but you know sanera sometimes i'm feeling so good because the anointing was there the message came through better than i expected then i stepped down here he will tell me which line which intonation i went wrong he said that was not true to my spirit and pass all your thing is gone 
method you thought you did a good job god said you are not the church i am the church you are not true it's not even wrong in doctrine it's not when you you went wrong in the spirit you are wrong in the spirit first and foremost you and i need this peace with god it's a one time peace i know i am saved i am a child of god that even if you are a child of god yesterday our little one went through the adoption promise process and now she's she's officially their child siri is their child okay now we have many children now with you you have peace with your father and peace with your mother because you know they are your children but the problem is tomorrow you do something funny and you hide it from your father though you are his son and daughter you have no peace the father comes downstairs and says hi honey how are you and you start imagining his tone was not the same like yesterday that's why husbands no everything seems to be okay to you but there is a silence in the house where did i go wrong because something is missing you know peace is not there something is there <laughs> when you left in the morning you told your wife i leave my peace with you but when he came back it was not there where did it go are you getting what i'm trying to say you need the peace of god peace with god but you need the peace of god every day and every day when you do not have the peace of god you should be aware it's spiritual daddy is upset about something something i did or something i did everything falls into these two categories something i did or something i didn't within your parameters according to your age group okay god is not asking us to walk like moses and all no no he's not saying whatever you are according to the grace given man no man should think too highly about himself but according to the measure of grace and the measure of faith but you should know your measure so we need peace with god and every day we need the peace of god be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication make all your requests known to god and the peace of god now this is a peace of god when you don't have the peace of god you can't worry and have the peace of god it's not possible the peace of god is important to be spiritually minded is life and the life is manifested by the peace of god you can be have 101 issues and problems coming after you like machine gun fire every day like jesus had to but he is guarded by the peace of god because you need to realize you know you need to realize when you see in in 
the police and all those security forces you know what they are trained what you know what they are specifically trained in extreme situation how to remain calm so that they can make decisions correctly they are trained that way you know why we i need the peace of god so that i can hear what decision i should take when this i'm facing the situation fearful people make wrong decisions anxious people make wrong decisions worried people make wrong decisions doubting people make wrong decision what it gets you to make the right decision because you are able to hear even david started reasoning in first samuel 27 verse 1 if i go on like this he said to himself saul will kill me before you knew 16 months of his life is gone are we getting the picture you need the peace of god then the bible talks about peace with man i am right that hebrews 12:14 pursue peace as far as possible pursue peace with all people pursue peace it's not easy but that's a sign of life then you have peace about your needs my god shall supply all how can that man have that kind of peace in the uh, sitting in the prison we all have needs but we need to have peace about our needs that my god shall supply my god shall supply because i have peace with god i have pursued peace with man now has peace about my needs because to be spiritually minded is life and peace and the fourth one most of you are not in it but it is called to do with ministry in ministry you need peace because in ministry there is a whole lot of burden whole lot of burden moses has to take care of 600000 families and god says my presence shall go with you and i shall give you rest that's a different thing ask this question do you have peace because that's how faith is manifested can you be caught in situations where you can hear because i'm talking about this walk of faith i remember another night shared this long ago years back i was in a particular place i was traveling by bus i'm going from one place to another place to another place the problem is that place where i am in is controlled by the army army checks for two things primarily three things first they will check your papers second they will check your luggage whether you have explosives third they will check your luggage to see if you have carry too much money are you feeding the insurgent the three things they check you enter through the bus like the door i'm on this seat the first seat here seat number 1 2 3 or 4 i'm sitting on bus is stopped everybody get off all in come of flash shooting guns everybody get off 
Put your back on your seat. Open, unlock it. Open it and leave. My hand is going. Top, top, top. Why? Because my suitcase is full of money. For the underground church. I have no answer. And I hear the voice. I may see eyes. Blind eyes see. I can make see eyes. Blind. So I whispered. In the name of Jesus. They won't see. Seat number one. Two, 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 three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The soldiers got out. Without seeing my suitcase, which is right there, as you enter, that's the first one you see. I didn't see mine. I'm telling you, if you don't hear in situations like that, you are dead. Because we have God who speaks daily, never day to day mundane things, but also in extreme situations. He's not an idol. He's not a mama. He's a living. Everything about him is living. But if you are in the world, you will silence his voice. Because he will not allow his voice to be mixed with other voices. It is not that we, he doesn't speak. Question is, problem is we don't hear. Is that because of worry? And that's why we have to deal with worry. How do you deal it? By faith. How do you deal it? By faith. Like I said, you have to meditate upon the word of God until it becomes faith. Until it becomes trust. Irrespective of your situations, you should be able to say, I know my God. I know my God. On Friday, I gave you four verses from each of the Gospels. The last words of Jesus. Each of the Gospels. I shall be with you till the end. That is Matthew. Mark, he was with them everywhere they went, confirming what they were speaking with signs. And Luke, he blessed them. His final act. And John, follow me. Even if you read the last words of Jesus, it just brings trust because every word of Jesus is so that we would believe in the Father. That we learn to deal with the voices of doubt and unbelief and faith and fear and anxiety and worry. Because when you go into the world, it is full of these tantalizing, otherwise tantalizing voices. And the problem is that if you don't hear that voice, learn to obey that voice. By the day you hear the voice, it will be your last day. Do you know who's there in the, who heard the voice of God on his last day? Uncle Lot. He and Abraham entered the promised land on the same day. He and Abraham went to Egypt on the same day. He and Abraham came back to Egypt on the same day. And he never exited the promised land. The problem is, he never learned to hear. 
all his choices were based on reason or feelings. Then on the last day, the angels come and tell him, all that you built is under judgment. It's going to be burned. You can't take anything out. Try to take your children and your family out. I believe he had four girls. Four into two, eight. Two married, two to be married, eight. He and his wife, ten. That's why Abraham stopped at ten. He knew. Because the sons-in-law laughed. So two didn't come. We don't know the whole story. He heard the voice of God through two angels only on the last day. It was over. You don't want to hear on the last day. You want to hear daily. Do you know what people usually hear on the last days? Those who haven't learned to hear. You need to be a pastor to be beside people who died. Now what they do? They can't even speak. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And they die. That was, the, that was what kept them from hearing the voice of God. The greatest stumbling block to faith is unforgiveness. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, believe. Then he said, when you pray, the Spirit will say, forgive that one. Let go of that one. Let go. something kills, it surely kills. It is forgiveness, unforgiveness. That's why Jesus in Luke 17 says, spoke about offenses. He said to the disciples, it is impossible no offenses should come, but woe to him. And he talks about forgiveness. He comes seven times a day, forgive, 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 forgive. Look at what Jesus said in, what the disciples said in verse 5. Peter is thinking, Lord, you don't know my wife and her mother-in-law. I'm living with the Lord. Increase my faith seven, nine, four, ninety a day. God says yes. Offense. Don't pretend these things before God. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you were there in the pastor's conference, but to the pastors, I told them. <laughs> Look at how creation after the fall begins. Two boys, two young men, Cain and Abel. Let us put it in our terms. It is the time of worship, right? They're coming to worship. They're coming to sacrifice. Cain brings, Abel brings. God looks at Cain. God looks at Abel. He rejects Cain. He accepts Abel. We know so much doctrine about it. Leave it all. What we need to understand is Cain is angry. Right? Because I always know that offended people are angry. Anger is manifested in different ways. Cold anger, hot anger, mild anger, lukewarm anger. But it is anger. The anger of man never brings the righteousness of God. The simple question you need to ask is Cain is angry and God is asking him, why are you angry?
Another example, then we will pray. This is my phone. Right? Now I am giving to this child. Or the, or the example. Okay? Instead, okay, she didn't take it. Now, imagine she is God. I am a human being. I am offering something to God. God, he take it. I should be upset. Lord, why don't you take it? What's wrong? What's wrong with this? Instead, I am angry. So your offering, your praise, your worship was not about God. It was about you. It was not about God. It was about you. It was never about God. It was about God. Like David, he said, how can I bring the ark of the Lord into the house of God? He was afraid. But it was never about God. It was about you. That's why people are offended. It was never about God. It was never about the other person. There is no denial of self. If any man wants to be my disciple, if you deny yourself, you cannot be offended. Then there is no room for unforgiveness. Why are you offended? Because it's about yourself. It's about yourself. But that is not the spirit life. That is not the kingdom life. Because the son of man did not come to be served. He came to serve. It was never. Why was Jesus never offended? Why was Jesus never holding any? I mean, you, I have come to give. And you stripped me. You beat me up. My back is laying in tatters. You spat on my face. You pulled my beard. You nailed me on the cross. But I am not offended. Because this was never about me. This was about you. If it was about me, it was never about me. It was about my father's love to you. Therefore, I refuse to be offended. And I am going to open my mouth and make my first statement. Father, forgive them. So they don't know what they are doing. Live by faith. He hung on the cross by faith. The Bible finally says, he committed his spirit to his father. He died in faith. Therefore, he could rise up on the third day. That is what the Bible is talking about. As we pray, let me tell you something. In old days, to the kings of Israel, they were told something. So that you don't depend on flesh, but depend upon God. When you go to war, you believe me, I will give you victory. When you get victory, and you get the horses of the enemy, hamstring them. Once a horse is hamstrung, then it cannot run. It's useless. Don't kill it. Hamstring it. It's useless. Everybody sitting over here, look at me. Most of you are hamstrung in your own homes. That's why your faith doesn't rise. It's not outside your house. It's in your home. So much, so much unforgiveness, offense, unsettled use. And faith cannot thrive in that atmosphere. Because faith is of God. That spirit is life. 
You don't have time, children, to put things right with God and with man. Because no man knows when he comes. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. But you, he said, should not be caught unawares because you are children of, how do you know? Because he who walks in light has fellowship. No offense. No unforgiveness. You have fellowship. They are all fellows going in the same ship in the same direction. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Did to you. You don't hold it. You hold it. You cannot live without that voice. Because that voice is life. That voice is life. You don't hear that voice. You should hear testimonies that come from around the world from underground churches. Do you know why they hear so clearly? Because they have living under such gruesome conditions and they hold no offense. Women who have been raped over and over again hold it. Do not hold it. They release it to God. Girls, young girls, men, dismember. They don't hold it. Therefore they hear the voice of God very clearly. What have we gone through? Husband shouted two years ago. Wife burned the pudding. What is your issue? Honestly. What are we holding? You want a solution? God is the solution. Faith is the victory. Faith brings the grace or the power of the very God into our lives. And he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. What is holding you back? Number one faith killer in the Bible over and over and over and over again is unforgiveness. You know your stories in the Bible. They are not written for entertainment. David could do the worst of worst things. Christ before God, broken before God, forgiven by God. There is a righteous man. Blameless man. Won't forgive him. Azur, 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 walking before David, pretending that David said there is one issue. He hasn't forgiven. You know where he'll take him? It will take him one day to his rafter and he will hang himself from there because he didn't get rid of it. His name was Ahitophel. It kills. Why I'm saying is, church is full of orphans, widows, Single mothers, single father, all kinds of people. This church is full of. That means you have come through terrible situations, but you have no right to hold it. Because the first gift of God we received was mercy. And every morning when we open our eyes, we are opening our eyes to the mercy of God. Free. You have no right to withhold mercy from anybody, irrespective of what you have done. So today, March the 19th. Make up your mind. Lord, I release. I release. I release. And you will see what God can do to you. God to you. If you sanctify yourself.
Start washing your clothes. No washing your shoes. Cleansing your heart. No covenant sanctification. It's not all covenant sanctification. Because he dwells in your heart. Faith is in the heart. Love is in the heart. You cannot have love in the heart and offense in the heart at the same time. Doesn't They don't stay together. One will eject the other off. So shall we stand? Shall we stand? Let go. Repent. Revive. Resist the devil. You will bring memories, flashback of all the things that happened to you. Resist him. Says, I have forgiven and I am forgiven. Go get lost. Don't rent him space in your heart and in your mind. If the, when you go to prayer, if the Spirit of God shows you people in your mind, names in your mind, people in your mind, let go. Let go. Between you and God, say, Lord, I release. I choose not to remember. I believe you can enable me to forget and choose to remember them. What good they did and not the bad. Good they did. Men, Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. As you're winding up the clock, as it is written in your word, you will wind up time like a scroll. The end of time, suddenly as we see it will be here. Suddenly, suddenly, the world will wake up to a horrifying event for the world. The church is gone. As he promised, he came for his girl. And he took her. But you said two in a bed, one gone. Two in the field, one gone. Whichever one had sanctified, cleansed their heart and their minds and their soul and their bodies. Because he said you would do it. That he would present our spirits and our soul and our body blameless at the hour of your coming. And only you, Lord, Spirit of God, can show it. I have no clue. When I will feel blameless, you tell me you are not. When I feel blamed, you said, no, you are not. Only you know, Lord. Only you know. And I pray, Father, this morning for an unction upon the church. Touch everyone's ears. That they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. No other voice. He said, if you ask your father for a bread, will he give you a snake? If you ask for egg, will he give you a scorpion? How much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? If you ask for the right thing, you get the right thing from God. If you ask for a touch on your ears today, that's what he will do. Lord, I want to hear. I want to put away everything that offends you. It doesn't matter how many people around me are comfortable with it, but if you are not pleased with it. Because Lord, when you look down on earth, we are your temple. We are your resting place. If you find each day anything offensive in us, speak to us. We are willing, more than willing to put it away. We don't want to test you. We don't want to resist you, Spirit of God. 
We don't want to grieve you. We never want to quench you. We want to walk with you. We want to come after you. We want to carry your presence and go. We go to our workplaces, our schools and colleges. Your presence is what will bring conviction to those. I don't have to even open my mouth. They will come and ask, what's different about you? You should have the courage to say, it's not me. It is his presence. I was with him in the morning. And I told him, can we go together to college? I don't want to go to college without you. If your presence doesn't go from this place, I don't want to move up from here. I don't want to go to office without you. If an old covenant prophet could be given that promise, how about us? New covenant, children born of the spirit. Be radical in your faith. Because there are millions out there to be saved, to be sanctified, to be prepared. And God has no witness on earth but his church. He said, you shall be my witnesses. There is a dearth of witnesses on earth. God doesn't need preachers. He needs witnesses. When the son walked on earth, he was the witness of the father. So that he told them, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Now the son needs witnesses. Touch every ear. Touch every heart. Let resentment be put away. Offense be put away. Unforgiveness be put away. But people, men and women and children have a handle on their anger. Let us pursue peace with all men. And holiness with God. Otherwise God says, you will not see me. You will not see me. The end of faith is to see him. The end of salvation is to see him. For it is written in Revelation 22. They shall see his face and serve him and reign with him forever. Father, we surrender as a church and all our churches, everyone online. We will not go back the way we came. Fill everyone. Fill everyone. Empty the junk out of us. The junk of the world out of us. And fill us with yourself. The pure, holy presence of God. Let it overflow. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. As they go out, I bless them in your name. I believe they were blessed because they came. Now I believe and proclaim as they go, they will be blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we praise you, worship you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.